This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. The episode you're about to listen to is something different. I haven't yet really delved into my personal life or journey on Big Brand Energy and that's why I thought it was such a good opportunity to share this particular interview that I did on my friend Rod's podcast. It's called Stillness Every Day. He interviewed me on everything uh, that I sort of have dealt with over the years in terms of business, in terms of spirituality, in terms of actually mine and his relationship, which is something we delve into a little bit because we have had so many different facets of what we have faced with one another. He was a really dear friend of mine. He was also a business partner. We had a falling out. We came back and it's just such an interesting conversation because we, yeah, we basically face all these things head on. The fact that we have been able to see each other in such different lights over the years is super cool, super interesting for everyone to obviously, um, I don't know, I guess listen to and um, reflect on in where in their life they have not maybe not taken accountability for their own actions or given the people in their life a little bit more of a generous interpretation of what they might have meant. So there's that element, but there's also so much about how I started On Track Studio, which I thought, you know, my listeners would be perhaps interested to, to learn or, or listen to because it... Yeah, it's quite funny how it all began. You'll hear in this episode the fact that I was still working full-time when I started on Track Studio and yeah, I'm not going to give anything away, but it's quite a funny journey when you think back and to think, you know, all the risk I took to start this business. Um, yeah, like quite a lot of happened quite a lot has happened and I don't think I even realized how much I have grown and changed and how much risk I took until I had this conversation where I had someone alongside me at the beginning to reflect all the things that I've done since starting. So I really hope you you guys enjoy this episode. If you if you do, go ahead and listen to some of the other conversations that um, Rod has on his podcast because it's very, it's very interesting. He gets on a lot of different guests on his podcast and it's all about yeah, different elements of spirituality, which I, as I said, I don't usually talk about on my podcast, but I think I will begin to because at the end of the day, like it's a, it's a huge part of who I am and it's a huge part of how my brand has actually evolved is, is my own personal journey with spirituality. So let me know if you do enjoy this episode because I'm curious to know if, if this style of conversation or topic is of interest to you because that is why I'm here putting out episodes is ultimately to help you. And on that note, I'm actually really grateful for all the people who have messaged me saying how much it's impacted them. Honestly, I'm blown away (laughs) by the amount of messages I get from people who have listened to Big Brain Energy and actually implemented whether it's strategy or whether it's just a a full um, perspective shift on how they how they see social media. So thank you for those messages. And if, if you haven't yet reached out, please feel free to. My DMs are always open. Like I'm not one of those people who don't respond to messages. I love talking to you guys. So please, please do reach out. And yeah, without further ado, I'll let you get into this episode and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Stillness Everyday Podcast. My name is Herodotos and this podcast exists to help you find stillness in all aspects of your life. 
in finance, in health, in mindset, and in your relationships. I created this business because I believe that if you can develop the ability to find stillness in your mind, you will learn to create harmony in all aspects of your life. Find us at Stillness Every Day on social media or stillnesseveryday.com. A lot of people ask me how they can get started with meditating. Now, my first experience with meditation was at a Vipassana retreat, which is 10 days in silence. But I understand this isn't practical for most people. That's why we created the Stillness Everyday Journal. This journal has a range of prompts, which allow you to not only create your day, but reflect on your day at the end of it. The journal also has a range of audible meditations, which are perfect for beginners. Check out stillnesseveryday.com. All right. Welcome back to the Stillness Everyday Podcast. I've got Sophie Wilson from OnTrack Studios. We're recording live at OnTrack Studio. It's not live, but it's we are recording live. here. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so it's not live, but it will be live if anyone um, is tuning in right now, <laughs> which is definitely, <laughs> most definitely not happening. <laughs> it could be live next time. We, you know, supply and demand, just demand and we'll make it happen. Correct. So um, I really, we're going to talk all things from meditation, running business, relationship with self, maybe relationships with others. Uh, I really want to start with the business side because Sophie used to work for me, was it two years ago? Maybe. What is time as yeah, a concept, really? Exactly. Yeah, I think and almost three years ago, probably. Oh, wow. Well, it depends which version of working with you it was, but yeah. True. And then you decided to just one day buy a Roadcaster Pro and that was it. You left the next day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep, that's what happened. <laughs> let's unpack wanna, that. So let's, let's talk about it because I remember it arriving to the office and I was... <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because it's true so <laughs> how did you start what did what like you just dove headfirst into it okay you didn't have I guess you were working in business but you didn't necessarily have a business background so no yeah so true so context was I was working with Mammoth and the Pottery Studio I was on my own journey of what is marketing what's powerful content all of these things that we would we would bond, we would bond over and somewhere along the line, I realized that like a true brand that embodies so much more than, you know, a two-dimensional social media feed needs to bring substance in a way that you cannot achieve on that metric. Mm. And so that's when I started thinking, okay, a podcast is the powerful piece of content. And I was like, Rod, <laughs> we need to do this for both brands. Like I, it, the primary focus was was the pottery studio because you would usually only talk to me about the pottery studio and like delegate tasks about mammoth and it was always the back you know the back of your mind kind of thing but so I kind of um dangled the bait in front of you by being like this is what I think would transform the brand I think we were both on the same page about what good content is so I pretty much just sold the idea to you of I think we should start a podcast for the pottery studio and you were like yep go do it and that's sort of how you work <laughs> You would sort of just say, I would like basically come to you with an idea and you would say, yep, do it. And I'm like, sweet, no support, no worries. Just go uh, work this one out. support if you um, look at it the other way. It depends. Glass half full, (laughs) glass half empty. And at the time, I guess that was pretty much, I mean, it's not the direct question you asked, but that is pretty much where I learnt how to see the glass half full because they're really, you know, on one side working with you had no support. (laughs) 
but like, thank you because you just got to work it the fuck out. And yeah, so basically you were like, yeah, go do it. So I was looking online, like what options were in terms of starting a podcast and like, there was nothing. There was, and that to me was like hole in the market. Let's provide this. This is so obvious to me as a marketer that this is necessary for brands to stand out online that I'm like, honestly shook that there's no available like way to do this for, for people who, who get it. So that's why <laughs> I ordered a Roadcaster Pro and all the mics and just like got it delivered to the office. <laughs> like you said it. The funny thing is though, is that I obviously bought it out of my own money. It was in the hopes to bring success to your business. <laughs> so what? But I obviously saw a lot of potential in the industry. And at the same time as I was working out, like trying to like innovate for the brands I was working with, which were Mammoth and Pottery, mm. I was also getting into investing. So I was also looking on the stock market, working out what's worth investing in. I realized that I felt as though podcasting as an industry was, uh, was an industry that was going to boom. And I'm like, sweet, how do I get in? Like Spotify's already kind of hit the top at the time. That's what I thought. This was pre-COVID obviously and all the things. But I was like, "Mm, I don't think I'm in early enough for Spotify. So I was just like the next best thing is like actually investing in podcasting as an industry by bringing it as a business, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So what was your first step as a startup? Not telling anyone what I was up to because I couldn't deal with projections. No, I, the first step was work out what the what how like how do I um, start a business? Mm. Well, actually, I'm not sure if that was the first step. But what what did you do? Like, what was the first thing you actually did apart from buy the roadcaster? I bought the roadcaster. Then I came up with a plan for to start a podcast, like for the brand. So mm. I was. I had my marketing manager hat on and I was like, okay, what's good content? What represents the brand? And came up with a concept that really fit at the time. It was um, mental health. We were doing some um, Movember mental health thing. Yep. And yeah, so basically I came up with a concept of what made that made sense to you, which was like the owner of the business, which is in my opinion, the most important thing when you're creating content for a brand that is that the owner actually has to really connect with what you're doing. Mm-hmm if you want it to be a substance-based content, which is the content that converts, the content that brings that audience. So the next step was, yeah, working out what that looked like. And then came, you know, working out how to bloody get the, the hosts like you and Jai, working out who's the best one, getting all the guests, um, trying to negotiate people's time, all of that kind of thing. And then it was editing it. And then it was, yeah. Where did you record from? The Roadcaster Pro was <laughs> the business at first was a portable podcast studio, as I like to call it back in the day, which really meant Roadcaster in a washing basket. <laughs> me, me coming to wherever was required. Yep. So at that time, it was for you, it was the Pottery Studio, which is the worst place to record a podcast. It's the loudest situation. Yeah, from the neighbors. From the neighbors. <laughs> yeah, obviously, the, pot- the Pottery Studio is like calm and stuff when you're there for a class but during the day there's a few noisy neighbors and um yeah so I just brought it there then from there actually I got a client because one of the guests were was Josh Sherwell who wanted to start a podcast he was like so let's do this this is you know he had his dream with Ailish and Mitch and then yeah I basically was like yeah hired out the the gear pretty much and dropped it to him every time he wanted to record and then from there I secured a spot where people could come to record from because I felt that that literally my business evolved from like okay this is what I'm offering 
okay, what's the next thing that person needs? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? So for me, I'm like, yeah, the equipment is one thing you need when you start a podcast. The next best thing is like somewhere where you can go to have guests because sometimes people are recording in their house, right? And it's a bit awkward to have guests that you've never met before come to your house. So I want a neutral zone where people can come and really bring content. And like the content is always at the forefront of my mind when I'm considering now and then I'm doing in terms of the business it's like okay well what would what element of this would make the most impactful or best case scenario content and yeah at that time the next natural next step was to have that neutral zone where people could come and then from there it was like buying like cameras and like leaning into the video element of podcasting and like leveling that up and then yeah that was the first studio was just somewhere I hide it was a boardroom just quietly <laughs> um it was the back of an office and um every Wednesday they would have team meetings in there. So I would have to clear my stuff out. Mm. So I would like make it look like it was a legitimate studio for when clients came in. And then when, as soon as they left, I would clean it up. Like like it looked like a basic boardroom. Mm. So, yeah. So what was it like when you, was there fear involved with any of this step? A hundred percent the entire time. So (laughs) mind you, this entire time, nobody understood like podcasting, what I was doing, why I bought all that gear. At the time, it was a huge investment, whatever it was, let's say three grand for everything. They were like, okay, why isn't Rod paying for this? Like they didn't get that it was my dream Mm. kind of thing. And I just didn't really care as much. I say that I did care, but I didn't let it affect my, you know, movements kind of thing. So I was very... The the people's opinion or the fact that I didn't buy it? Um, oh, I didn't care that you didn't buy it. Oh. This is just me hashing that out right now. I yeah. just really feel like... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for bringing it up three yeah. years later. <laughs> no, I cared that people didn't get why I was doing it. Right, yeah. And I knew what parts meant something to someone. So say my dad being like, why'd you do that? I would be like, well, dad, I'll get, you know, six more recordings and the gear's paid for, so you've got nothing to worry about. Mm. Kind of on the defense being like, okay, I understand that you don't get it. Here's what you're concerned about. Here's my solution for you. Mm. Probably just don't at me for another year and then, you know. I can relate to a few of those things. There's three questions I want to ask, but the the way you started on track is very similar to how the Pottery Studio kind of evolved mm. and there was points along the way where people were like, what are you doing? Like, Pottery. And yeah. it was kind of, I guess there was – obviously I had my reasons to continue that while I was doing everything else, but there was always people like, what? It's not going to work or blah, 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 like mm. in your ear. Yeah. But you can see what's happening. Yeah, totally. And sometimes though, I don't know if you can relate, but sometimes did you not see what was happening? Like you just had faith that you were kind of on the right path? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, it was like we had that one studio and then all of a sudden we have three kilns and four studios like joined into one. And it's just like, it just keeps happening and I'm listening to you go, oh, I bought it and then I got my client and then, then I got a boardroom. And yep. I would like carry my basket around. It's like you wouldn't look. I think a lot of people, and this is where I have actually come unstuck recently, is I've gone, okay, I've built, you know, whatever the business value is. I can now start at that point with a new business yeah. where you inject heaps of money into it. Yeah. But the business was completely different. And I was like, wait, I've never done e-commerce before. Yeah. So it's like I'm actually starting from the bottom. So I should have just gone, no, I'm going to start with $1,000. Mm. rather than start with $100,000 and then empty it. Do you know what I mean? Because the, the learning along the way is what, like when you're learning and you spend 5000 it costs you 5000 because that's all you've spent. Mm. It's not as impactful. But when you spend a hundred and you're like, fuck, and you start watching it go backwards, Yeah, 
you've entered at a different level, I think. So like, exactly. you know, it's not like, like tomorrow I could start another pottery studio with $200,000 yeah. and, and be fine. But I couldn't go and start, I don't know, a, a podcast studio. Yeah. Like you've done this whole fit out now, I would not come and invest that money because I don't know what you do. Yeah, for those listening, the podcast studio is now not in the boardroom. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I completely relate to that. But you look around, I look in here and I'm like, you spent $3,000 just painting this room. That was like your initial scary investment. Exactly. So it's like it becomes comparable to where you're at and you can't just jump the queue. No, you can't. Unless you've done it before. Yeah. And I really relate to that in the sense of marketing because I've got all this exposure to all these different businesses, all these different niches. And I feel like I know more than I actually do in the sense of like, you know, if I was, if someone was to say, come and sell like pottery classes, I'd have a pretty good idea. Like right when I left working with you, what works, what doesn't. And whereas like when I started marketing my own business, I'm like, oh wait, what the fuck? Mm. I don't actually know. And no one really does until you do it. Mm. I agree. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to touch on, you said the glass was half full because I wasn't supportive. And on the other hand, I was supportive in just letting you do it. Yeah. I obviously learnt behaviour from learning from my father. Yeah. But how do you think that actually helped you getting to here? Because I look back and I was like, it pissed me off so much when I, like, dad, back in the day, dad would be like, oh, just figure it out sort of thing. Yeah. He didn't even say that. He just here and trusted me to figure it out it's like when I started building he's just I had no experience and he fully just trusted me to figure it out and I think when you have the mindset to figure it out it just develops it gives you this like I don't know tenacity to actually keep going but also the like, self-belief self-belief but yeah. all, all of the things that you need to actually thrive yeah it's interesting because what I felt I needed from you was you being like yeah, let's do it and essentially doing it with me kind of thing. But what it taught me was, well, look, like I've created an actual functioning business from it. If we were to have done that together, then it wouldn't have been mine for and starters. I think, and I think that's where I'm kind of getting, it's like a the dif- difference between an employee or an entrepreneur. Exactly. Because if I did hold your hand the whole way, then I'm, maybe you wouldn't have yeah. gone out. Yeah, it would have been, it would have been a whole different realm. It's just, it's so interesting, like, so what was the question? So basically... How do you think that, you know, me essentially throwing you in the deep end with everything, just saying, yeah, this good, do it. Yeah. Actually assisted as a now entrepreneur. Yeah, okay. So what it taught me was just do it. Like it basically was like, well, you are going to learn by executing. And I think it was the ultimate initiation into business and it wasn't just it wasn't the first time you did that right like Mm. at this time it was just a natural all right I'm buying the gear I'm doing it like Mm. you know that because of the way we work together was okay you brought me on as like this marketing kind of brand advisor kind of situation my evolving role whatever it was and you on your side of the table were like yeah Sophie's earned my trust I actually trust what she thinks and I'm backing her by saying yeah I believe in you, you never said this, but essentially what you were saying is, I believe in you, do it, let's go. What I was hearing was, I'm testing you. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, test me. Which is funny, isn't it? Because I, I think that like that element of needing to prove myself to you and to myself was the very thing that allowed me to create what I've now got. Mm. Like that element of like, okay, I'm proving. 
now I've learned that that's not the best way to go about things. Like I don't need to come from that energy. But I think, you know, we all have these like reasons why we do things and they're powerful. Like they're powerful things like that, that kind of like whatever learnt behavior I picked up of like needing to prove from childhood and whatever, you brought that out in me and like it was able to be like manifested through the power of my own discipline but also through the what I now see as support from you um I was able to actually create something that was my own through helping your business there's a concept that I've been like really thinking about lately because I you know do so many things and I actually it's not that I I just don't approach them as if they're hard but I feel like a lot of like a lot of people when you're starting your podcast would have been like well that's really scary Mm. and where would you even begin? And I know, um, I know, a drummer or like always gets this, like, oh, how where, how would you price this? Like, um, yeah. like electricians who would just normally do, you know, a few lights or fans or whatever, come up to a warehouse and seeing this big project worth like a few hundred thousand dollars. Like, where how would you price this? And it's literally just like a big construction project is like multiple little construction projects in one. So you just go like step by step, 100%. and that's literally everything. And I. I was thinking about this with what the corrective culture guys do because everything Jake and Callan have given me to actually, um, you know, the posture stuff or whatever, it's so fucking simple. It's like what they teach is so simple, but it's actually just doing it every day. Yeah. It's the, it's the being disciplined to, you know, lean against the wall and um, whatever exercise it is or roll on, roll on um, foam rollers or balls. But it's like, the discipline to actually just do that for 20 minutes a day is the hard part. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, tying it back to what the discipline did for me, it's like where that discipline was coming from wasn't from, it wasn't from abundance of like, I, you know, this is what I'm going to achieve. It was actually coming from lack and proving and like, I don't want you to be right about me not being able to, like my perceived story of like me not being able to succeed and this not to be able to go well or whatever. It's like, it's funny, once you nail the discipline part, I believe the next challenge is, okay, now the intention of that discipline is the where the work should go to. 100%, because I've definitely in the past, and you know, sometimes I set random things now in my head just to convince myself to do it, like, I don't know, whether it's ex-girlfriends, maybe, is mm. a good example, like, I'm going to do this now, yeah. to prove that I yeah. can do it, but it's like coming from that it's like, I know exactly what you're saying. It's yeah. Like, I'm going to do this to prove. Exactly. It's, it's literally... It's not really sustainable. No, it's not. And it's, it's been described to me before as donkey with a carrot or a stick. So it's like, is, is the reason the donkey is moving forward because he can see a carrot that he wants and he's taking steps towards that carrot? Or is it because he's scared he's going to get hit by the stick that's coming behind him? Mm. Like you want to be looking at the carrot, not the stick. Mm. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. And then the carrot should ultimately not be, I mean, it doesn't really matter, but it should fulfill you, not fulfill the desires of other people's, exactly. which I guess is proving at the same time, like, yeah, I don't know, whether your dad and you wanted to prove that you're, you can make yeah. it work. It's like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. So it has to light you up inside, which then comes back to why you're doing it in the first place. Exactly. And interesting point on like the, the price thing that you brought up. It's like, I remember when I first started obviously I was charging a lot less than what I'm charging now. But one thing I would say to any like up and coming entrepreneurs or anyone who's like wanting to start a side hustle or whatever is like figure out what you want your outcome to be. And for me at the time, what I wanted was for podcasting to be accessible to the people who had 
who had substance to what they want to say. They like my biggest why has always been make a positive impact on the world. So while the studio, and that's still true to this day, it's not about what I've got to say. It's about giving people the space to provide their version of impact or positive impact on the world, right? So when I first started, I'm like, really the only thing that matters to me is that people's podcast gets listened to. They have the means to create it and like, and it's there for them. So my pricing literally was ridiculous, like ridiculously cheap. Cause I'm like, I want Josh Sherwell's message to get out there. Like, mm. you know, he was like, he had so much to say, so much to give. I'd listened to him before. I'm like, I want that to be accessible to everyone. So yeah, I'm going to charge you whatever it was, 25 bucks an hour for me to edit your podcast and like $25 to hire the gear. And that's that. Whereas like now it's about my knowledge teamed with that component. It's like for people to listen, there needs to be a level of quality of content being created from the podcast to pull that person into listen to your podcast. So it's become priority for me to have, yeah, the prices are um, higher to reflect the level of, Mm. you know, lighting cameras, gear, all the things that are way better now. Um, but the why is still the same. And and yeah, my outcome, I think it's like you need to think about what you want the outcome to be. And yeah, it's like the result. So for Jimmy fin- fixing lights, it's like you want you want them to get lights, but also do you want them to use you again? Do you want them to refer them? Like what kind of clients do you want out of this? Like where is that at? And like what do you want most right now and price it accordingly? Mm. I can 100% relate. And I think I think people listening shouldn't, I mean, someone might argue, but I think that what you did was actually a good way to start because it's like, well, my needs right now, I actually, I don't have a job. So $25 an hour is better than zero and I do want clients. But then as that evolves, you can, you start increasing the value you're providing and then of course start charging accordingly. Exactly. Because like when the pottery studio started, I literally, sorry, I didn't start when I took it over from Amy. I literally just wanted my rent paid and all the wages and everything. Exactly. So it's like, that was all I needed. So it was people like, how's it so cheap? It's like, I have a job. Yeah, I well, my, I did too, right? I just want my shed paid for. <laughs> yeah, I had a full-time job until August last year. All oh, right, yeah. You know what I mean? So none of this, it, well, it's still not about making money, but at the time it was like, you know, at the very early on, I'm like, all I need is to like save, like get to three grand and I've made my money back, no no problems. Then as I get, you know, more and more, I'm like, okay, well, this is what's important. And then, yeah, it's so interesting. And it is like now we are changing prices according to like you know if you're actually coming to learn it is going to cost a lot more if you're just coming for entertainment it's cheap because yeah it doesn't really matter anyone can teach it but if you want to actually really learn i need to pay teachers more i need better resources i need better fire and being better glazes like all these different things and need more space so like the price in order to be able to provide a better learning experience for someone wanting to learn yeah. pottery you need to pay more yeah. and then the more they pay then the more i can give and look, like, let's use pottery as the example. It's like what Alex Hormozzi says is that you're paying for people's mistakes to have been made. So if you're charging more for classes, you're getting big dog potters coming in for workshops. Say Peter Wallace, he's coming in to teach you how to make a teapot. Mm. That costs more because he's made like a million of them. Mm. But alternatively, you could do a $20 class, have me come in and teach how to make a teapot and that's what you get, whatever version of teapot I create, right? Like yeah, the, yeah. the thing that you're getting and paying for is better because you've bypassed all of the mistakes that he's previously made. Yeah. And that's just the same as podcasting for me and whatever your business is. Mm. It's a, you're, you're paying, it's, it's such a good quote from Alex. I think he said um, the reason he buys courses and like uh, mentors, like your um, podcast mentorship 
is because we are buying Sophie's three years of knowledge. Exactly. And getting it in four weeks. Exactly. So it's like you can, you abs- and I believe, I used to not have services like my mentorship because I believed that why would I charge that when I've learned it from learning it from just doing, mm. right? Yeah. But I'm like, wait, some people don't want to spend three years. Mm. Fucking oath, I didn't either. Like if this was available to me, and then the, I would have done it. The I would truth pay it. is that three years would have cost you so much more than, I don't know what you charge, four grand or whatever the course is. Yeah. It's like that Way is less, so, yeah. <laughs> it's like two it's grand, like, but right, yeah. We'll put it up then. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, because like the, like the cost of the cost of the pottery studio, it's like, I don't know, maybe I've spent 250000 in that whole four years, but it's like I've probably wasted 250000 as too as well. Yeah, so God, probably yeah. it's like half of Knowing my, you and uh, what you put in your marketing budget. Yeah, so it's like... <laughs> It's like that if I was to then teach someone, which I'm probably never going to do because not that excited about someone else starting a pottery studio, but the, it's like that's half a million dollars of knowledge. Yeah, totally. You, and you, knowing what you, like, you have created with the pottery studio, if I wanted to start a pottery studio, if I lived in Adelaide and I saw Rod has a pottery studio and you were offering like six-month mentorship of how to start a pottery studio and do it successfully mm. – fucking oath I'd buy it Mm. I would just be like that is the best investment I can make to get my business up and running Mm. same thing for podcasting it's like you can totally do it on your own but or you could pay and like get it like have success with it within the first what six months six weeks or whatever Mm. it is whatever your goal is it's just like it just makes sense and just the ability to like you've got your one-on-one obviously we're friends so I can keep messaging you outside yeah obviously so. you violate my boundaries yeah yeah <laughs> but but the fact if you have like we have our one-on-one and it's like half an hour is talking about other stuff but if you just like had that one hour a week with your mentor you can hash through so much like I was totally. thinking about people always ask me stuff about property and I think oh, well previously to this question I'm like I don't think of myself as like a guru in property mm. but then I thought about the other day I'm like I've been doing this for 10 years totally. and my dad was doing it for 30 years so I've like got 40 years of knowledge because I learned everything from him and then I learned my own stuff yeah so it's like I you know I probably could start a 100% like and your interests lie there will be driving around way back when and you'll be like oh just pull into this residential street look at these houses sick rod <laughs> Like, no, that, but it was cool because you loved it, right? Which yeah. means like, and it's similar to what you talk about with the podcasting thing. Like you're not going to start this. The reason why my mentorships or one-on-one clients or coaching contains whatever it is I'm offering is good is because I'm obsessed with it. Mm. Like, mm. and similar for you. That's when you know that that would be something that you could think about doing. Next minute, Rod starts. <laughs> pottery, <Or to> pro- <laughs> no, but I see it. Coaching. Yeah, property maybe. But that's yeah. the thing. Like the pottery one, I said I would never do it because I actually probably wouldn't. But the business side probably would interest me. So then I guess I probably would be interested in doing that. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm in a, a debate at the moment of like what is my passion like in terms of marketing and podcasting. They're very mm. similar. What I love about podcasting is what I've learned from marketing. Mm. Yeah. What do Am I obsessed with marketing or am, or am I not? And so because I've got these like, you know, clients that are marketing clients only, no podcasting involved. Mm. And... I was thinking, I'm like, is this true still for me? And I'm actually in reflection about it at the moment. Don't have the answer. But it's it's important, I think, to reflect on, you know, is this truly what I want to be doing and is my heart fully in it? Because you've got to honour that for your clients. Mm. 100%. Yeah. And now I'm reflecting on the pottery issue. Oh, gosh. Only because what you said before is I remember, it's funny because you said I would 
you know, it's like everything was about Pottery Studio two years ago. Yeah. And it was because it was in that really building stage. Yeah. Because you but, liked business and marketing and because yeah. you had me in there with you probably. Yeah. Whereas now it's like... Problems. Well, we're transitioning. <laughs> we're transitioning, but my attention is just so on the other things that, mm. you know, even the podcasting starting to interest me more, but everything else that it's like fully switched again. So you've got to keep reevaluating. You do. You, you can't just go, oh, I used to like this. So I still do. Yeah. And I think that's honestly like the beauty of business is that you can, you know, go all in with the thing that you're passionate about, build it up so it's fucking epic, build the team in order to have that taken care of if you do need to step into the other like arena for a bit. Like for me, it's like marketing is so, you know, true to me. I've got contractors now that if I was to need to not be like spearheading it, sweet, like you can talk to Georgia. Like you, um, we'll, we've got your strategy in place. Like she's passionate. Mm. Like that's actually the smarter business thing for, for you to do. And like, you know, for you, you've never had like the pottery studio has never been your be all and and be all and end all. Mm. So it's not going to be like they're relying on you. Like if you were to focus on yeah. builds in Bundaberg, like cool, that doesn't affect them because you've built mm. the team. Mm. Which we'd have a really good team at the moment with passion in there. Totally, and you can feel that on literal socials. Mm. Like, I can see that. It's just, like, you can't fake that. Let's talk about your the how your mindset developed around business and how that relates to the rest of your life. Like, right. you mentioned that the um, – wasn't people-pleasing. What was it? To um, prove yourself. Yeah. So, dealing with traumas yep. throughout the business, was that because – was that through business you realised that or was that something – another practice of yours? Business is the ultimate self-development journey, in my opinion. It's it's an opportunity to stare at your inadequacies and grow. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that to be true about podcasting and I believe that to be true about relationships and everything. So I feel like, you know, yes, it has been a massive moment and um, tool for reflection for me to become better in literally everywhere in my life and vice versa. Like the way I show up in my relationships now inform how I show up in business. So I think that to put it down to, I'm sure you want to know like an example of like where that led to what and all the things. Well, my mind's going to like when you get a team, you start dealing with multiple relationships. Right. So you start, you know. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So interesting, the team thing for me, I would say that people would not, I am a very unique leader, I would say, from the leaders that I've been around in my like corporate life, in, you know, jobs through school, in working with you, like there is no leader that I've been exposed to that is anything like I am. So I wouldn't, I don't know whether what I'm doing is correct, but I do like what I'm doing and the way that I am a mentor to my people um, first before my work and yeah that is I've been tested in that element because there becomes a time where I've had to assess where I'm like is this people pleasing trauma where I want to be liked by my staff Mm. or is this because I genuinely want them to succeed in their in their endeavors Um, I see the other I see the the endeavors yeah yeah and that's what it is now but I think there's been I think there's duality and everything and I think at one stage it could have been like that at play for sure because you, I do want to be liked. Like, and that's something I am mm. would love to say I don't 
<laughs> like I would love to sit here and be like, I don't care if I'm liked or not <laughs> because I believe that that is awesome. <laughs> like I'd love to be that, but I still do care if I'm liked and that's why I'm a great marketer. Can we talk about that? Because um, I think that's a very interesting thing because a lot of people, I mean, I would like to say that as well. The other day, it was like probably three days ago, someone is really, they're kind of taken something that's not even to do with them and then they're projecting it all on me, but they really don't like me. It's not even not even about me. Right. But, but like, they believe it, it is. They believe it is. But the the fact that I'm now picking up that they're annoyed at me and the, the, the initial feeling, I actually laughed and I was like, that's interesting. Why am I laughing at this? But it was like a change of that. You know that initial, I don't know, it's like you go on like maybe a defense or yeah. something. Yeah. Like how would you explain when you – if you find out that someone doesn't like you that you thought did and, you know, what's in, what's happening inside for you? Okay. I have a, my latest integration or um, realisation is that I have an issue or have previously had an issue with being misunderstood. So immediately for me, if someone doesn't like me, I'm like, okay, well, what did they misunderstand? <laughs> <laughs> what did they do wrong? What? No, no. Yeah, well, yeah, essentially. Like it's, and that is like, oh, like blaming, you know, immediately, like not taking accountability for myself because it's like I believe that um, – I, well, I know that I have everyone's usually best interests at heart when I'm around them. And we've dealt with this with mutual friends before where like someone has taken something I've said and like mm. gone to you about it and I'm like, I, you know what I was like. I was genuinely shocked and afraid and shooken up by that because I'm so – that was not my intention – since that, like fast forward a few years now, if I find out that someone doesn't like me, I just think, good, like cool. Like I genuinely believe that that is a reflection for them to take part in um, what is triggering yeah. that response for, for them to not like me. Because, you know, being um, someone who goes after what I want, I, I do trigger a lot of people because yeah. they would love to just continue to believe that it's too hard to do that, isn't it? Like. Yeah. You know, so me, um, you know, that's the thing that I've had to deal with, taking up space, being, um, I, I guess, somewhat confident in myself. It's like, yeah, people, like the whole like Sophie's loud, something I grew up with. It's like, I'm not loud. I'm just not quiet and sitting in the corner like you. And and you're allowed to not like me for that. Um, and I am, am I allowed, like, but I shouldn't be offended by that, right? Yeah, I agree. Um and I think that's why I laughed because uh, my initial, I was like, I laughed because it's like, my intention was not any of this. My intention was not, there was no malicious intent for you to not like me. Mm. So then it goes back to, you know, it's like this piece of like, I'll let them get through it sort of thing. So I had a conversation right before this podcast with a friend and we were talking about a breakup and she was saying how, you know, like he's just turned on me basically and um, like he's angry at me for this, you know, it was amicable, now it's not. And I said to her, I was like, for him to get through this, to heal through this breakup, he needs to villainize you. You need to let him have, you need to honor his experience. It's none of your business. Mm. But like this could be a crucial step in his healing process and getting over this relationship. Mm. You're the villain in his mind. You're not a villain in my mind. Mm. You're not a villain in your mind. Like what, what matters to you? Yeah. It's the best way to look at it when you start to realize that um, the version that you see of me versus the version Kristen sees of me versus Tanya, it's like there's, if we were all four in the room versus the version that I see of myself, 
and then the version that I believe you see of me versus all of them. There's like six versions of me in one room. So then if I cared so much about what you thought, well, she thinks different and they're not even the same version. 100%. I mean, we are the perfect examples of that. We have seen each other in so many different lights over the years. Mm, That's very true. Yeah. Even reflecting on all these things, it's funny, like the memories coming back because they're just like... Yeah. It feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah, it does. It's very interesting. So what is your meditation practice, morning routine? What does that look like now? And how do you believe when you are out of sync with it, how does that impact the rest of your business? So my morning routine at the moment is to, well, I go to bed without digital impact. So like I turn off my phone, whatever. I always like meditate or listen to a guided meditation um, before bed. Yeah, so it sort of starts there. Then I'll wake up, not touch my phone, which is, this is something that I've actually recently taken really seriously. And it, I would say, would be probably the, the part of my morning routine that I advocate for the most. Like everything else, I'm like, do whatever. But, you know, it's just whatever works for you. But the whole like not actually checking my phone is huge because I, you know, I've always got, I'm always posting like stuff for on track. I'm always, um, you know, invested in people's like social media. Like I care about what's going on on social media because it's, it's what I'm doing. It's my clients are working on stuff and it's like, it's a very usually positive infused energy, but it's a lot like, so if I'm, if I check my phone immediately and I'm seeing like someone sharing something with me or like, it's actually quite hectic, my phone, like a lot of people, if it's not on Do Not Disturb when I'm with them, are like, what is going on? Like your phone's going off chops. So not checking it immediately is, is really crucial for me at the moment because it just means like I can enter my day calm and calm is not a normal state of being for me previously. But now I've realized that the most magnetic version, highest power version of myself I think about her, I visualize her and she is calm and I'm like, okay, well, how can I embody that? Mm. And so that's why this has been a crucial step for me. So usually I would get up, not check my phone, have my, you know, whatever I'm like supplements I'm doing at the time at the moment, I'm doing the corrective culture cleanse. So there's oregano oil up in my mouth very early, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it might be celery juice, whatever. And, or usually like sculling water, then I'm out the door within like 15 minutes, always at the beach either swimming, walking, going to Pilates. Like I'm, I'm like, I find it really like perfect to be out the door as soon as possible. And then I will at some stage come back home and meditate. And when I'm really feeling good, which like the last probably four weeks I have been, I'm journaling in the morning too, which I think is, is helpful. I don't think it's crucial, but I think it's very helpful to me to clear my brain for the day so I like to do that but I don't always so yeah and then I'll meditate did I say that yeah yeah I usually meditate I like to meditate after I've been outside because I feel like I'm losing the day if I'm meditating like if the sunrise is happening and I'm missing it yeah so (laughs) you rush out the door to avoid um not going no, I think I honestly have something deep within me that <laughs> is a fear of missing out on the sunrise. Okay. <laughs> like truly, like I do not want to miss that. Right. But yeah, no, I, I will always leave. Like I've never missed my morning workout ever. Because I get up early and I try to always just write something before I go yep. to the gym. And the other morning, I think I wrote for like 30, 40 minutes. I don't know what I was writing about. No, I just, just keep writing. And afterwards, like I was still tired because I was laying on my bed writing. 
and it was I think four o'clock by then. Mm. But my mind felt like I just had had a workout. Mm. So I was like, I was like awake, but I wasn't. And I was like, this is really interesting because like I had literally, obviously, just done a workout, riding yeah. for half an hour, and then went to the gym and worked out my body. But it's journaling is powerful. Yeah, I find it to be powerful too, and it's just a really, it's a, it's just a great reflection tool. Like I can't. But I remember when people would talk about journaling back in the day and I'd be like, cool, I'd get in front of my notebook, notebook and be like, dear diary, like, what am I writing? This is so weird, like, and whatever. And I'd just make it weird. And I'm like, yeah. okay, but what if, like, make this make sense for you, Sophie. Like, no one's reading it. Just write anything. And mm. and I just think the moment you, like, let go and just, like, whatever you need to tell yourself, like, for me, it really helped to be like, no one is going to read this. And I don't know why that like helped me get yeah. through, right? But I'm like, okay, cool. What would, what, what's my deepest secret right now? Mm. Like that's something I've journaled on. Mm. What do I not want anyone to know right now? Mm. That's Powerful. That is good. And I think well, I always just write the first word that's on my mind, right? Because then it just like you start writing, and then by the time you've done that, you've by the by the end of it, you're writing something completely different, and you're 100%. writing what you just you just word vomiting on a exactly page. and there's things in there that you're like oh wow I didn't know that was in my mind with my journey of like coming more into my feminine uh I have written things like just starting the on the top of the page writing the word receive mm. and writing 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 oh I'm not talking about that anymore link it back we'll receive blah, blah, blah. And it's interesting because I think your ego is playing a role it's still active being like it doesn't want to receive right like it mm. doesn't like for me that was my Thing, but it might be different for you, for whatever you're journaling on. But I'm like, why am I bypassing this topic? Go back to receive. And you get through, and I've done this exercise, and, and when you're just writing consistently for 11 minutes, your ego has actually switched off. You're working with your subconscious mm. by around eight minutes or something. So it's actually a really interesting like tool to use in order to like, yeah, words are words that are relevant to you that like maybe you want to step out of lack mindset. Like journaling on the word of word abundance, like what's that mean to you? And how many times do you veer away from it? Keep it back. Do you think people are scared to read what's going on in their mind? It's similar to meditating. When you actually sit still, everything starts coming up and you're like, oh crap, I've got a lot of things to deal with. It's interesting. That's an interesting question because I don't know whether I, I don't believe people are scared because I'm not. Mm. But I be, like now that you mention it, I'm like, when I talk to friends and stuff and obviously they know I meditate and it's like, why don't you like again, like, yeah. sorry, like just circling back. <laughs> why are we avoiding meditation? Like, you know, it's powerful. And, and it's kind of like, yeah, are you guys scared? Like, I don't know friends. If you're listening, like, let me know. And I think it's more so like, I think people like to live like, this is all unconscious behavior, right? But I think that people like to live in denial and, like, yeah. be ignorant to what they're facing. So it's not like a conscious, I'm too scared to meditate, my thoughts are wild, which some people say. But I think it's more like they are, in fact, unconscious, like, putting up walls to be like, I'm not meditating. Like, And this is, this is actually something that I realized a friend said to me. It's just like, you know, your ego is, is really smart. It's not saying, hey, don't meditate, like, you know, you're too tired it's actually saying hey you don't need to meditate you're actually you know you went for a swim this afternoon which was very <laughs> much like you were very mindful throughout that swim you don't need to meditate yeah it's like telling these truths yeah. that you're like half truths and and like you know or you don't need to meditate you went to yin like two days ago 
Yeah. How many people, how many of your friends went to yin? None. You don't need to meditate. It's like, it's, it's those things, those thoughts that are protecting you from going within that yeah. people don't even know that they're scared. But yeah, I think maybe they are. So I was going to ask something else about, I'll just quickly say it, like the most common thing that like you've done Vipassana meditation, but the most common thing when I tell people about it, that oh, I could never sit with myself for 10 days. So I think there is a degree of fear. Mm. Um, but just on the ego thing, it is interesting because the ego is always trying to protect the death of itself. And yeah. When you meditate, you're constantly just killing programs. Mm. Like they're coming up and you observe them, they piss off. Yeah. Because the ego is just constantly perpetuating the cycle of all that trauma. Exactly. And I think people hear, like people listening, they hear this. They're, they're like, yeah, I get what the ego is doing. Haha, ego talking, rah, rah. But I'm like, okay, but do you actually acknowledge that when the ego sounds a lot like your higher self and that's still being your ego? So, you know, it's like... Explain that. So, it's, so for me, right, my ego, this is my ego would be speaking... You have worked so hard this year on On Track Studio. You've built this incredible studio for people. That the studio of your dreams has been built. You don't need to like always be going and moving forward. Like that is my ego trying to make me feel better about the fact that I've just had a lazy Monday or whatever it looks like. It's like your ego is protecting you, and it's and it's necessary for a human experience. Like. Mm. And there's duality in, in, the, in these things. That is true. But also, do I want a life where I reach this point in my business and that's it? Mm. Or if I was honest with my higher self, do I want an extraordinary life? Is this level one and I'm up to, I'm heading to level 100? Mm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. your ego is not always being like this like big obvious thing. Like mm. you need to be that awareness piece is super important because it's like hear what you're saying. Yes, that's true. But where here is my ego still playing out, even though that's true? And I think when you stop, it's all like Mondays off is fine, like relax, whatever 100%. you did. But the, the the complacency and then if it becomes Tuesday and then it becomes Wednesday and then you start saying, well, I've achieved so much in my life so I don't need to. Yeah. I think the moment you stop is the moment you start dying. Yeah, agreed. Because you would just, there's, there's, there's forward and back. There's no neutral. Yeah. The moment you're not going forward you're actually reversing because everyone else is, everything else is surpassing you. Yeah, 100% agree with you. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting um, mindset that I'm building around that very thing coming from three years ago when I was very much in my masculine mm. and now being very much more in my feminine. What does that look like? What does actually taking that next step look like when it's not an is actual, it? you know, masculine next step? Yeah. That is interesting because the business business is a quite a masculine. Um, yeah. Well, it is. It's the physical and it's like go and it's discipline, it's order. And whereas the feminine, obviously, you're kind of you've got probably got an interesting juggle now. Yeah, it's, it's very like, interesting. Do I pass on like bringing a CEO or something that can direct the ship for me? Or yeah, like what does it look like? A yeah, it would be interesting. Explain it. Let's go. What's because <laughs> it is. It's funny because <laughs> about like twenty minutes ago, I'm like I'm going to bring up masculine feminine then mm. you brought up and you brought up again so now it's time for the question let's talk about right, you stepping God into forbid. your feminine because um, we do talk about this a lot on the, this podcast and i think it's a very important thing to understand it is a very important thing to understand and i don't think that i'm by any means the feminine guru like i'm mm. very much still on my 
path to figuring this whole thing out. L plates or P plates, would you say? I would say red P plates. So <laughs> Good. You know, well, that's, getting... See, this is the perfect time because someone is just about to get on their L's. Yeah. Good so luck out there. Take them through the L's. Remember to indicate. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would say the thing, what it looks like for me is I really have always grown up really relating to men in terms of like, obviously now, you know, it's probably obvious I'm kind of got entrepreneurial like tendencies and therefore there's an element of me that is so true that is like it's like it's so true for me to like want to get up and go and like create and build and 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 everything and so I need to honor that part and this is the thing that I think I went to the other way like shaming myself for all my masculine tendencies and like taking charge now, like why, since being on my pee plates, <laughs> I recognize that like, you know, there are so many ways in order to like bring, like step into my feminine when necessary. For example, let's talk about meditation. Obviously we've all heard that I meditate, but also what I've brought in is I think, and it's really important as a woman, like to get back into your body, like, so like dancing and like like really dancing around and like really embodying like your movement and like being in your body is probably a more important thing in my routine than meditation right now Mm. because meditation particularly and I've studied a couple of different ones and it's actually always challenging I'm like which meditation should I go through like I've done Vipassana which is a very masculine in my opinion I was about to say Vipassana is actually quite masculine it's hugely masculine and it makes sense that in that phase of my life that I went to went to Vipassana because I'm like prove energy Mm. I can do it fucking watch me Mm. like there I did it cool like and that's awesome and that's a part of my journey and again there's a part of my personality that is that thrives in that and that's why I did it and that's meant to happen but since studying vedic meditation which is the complete opposite it's like effortless meditation it's like you know relaxed and everything that's been that was transformative for me because i'm like okay well i actually don't need to focus on the sensations it's actually about not it's just about being it's about actually acknowledging thoughts all the things and similar can be said for, you know, right now when my focus is to like, I've got this business I'm building, which I'm honoring and doing like when I'm here, I'm here. But when I'm at home or when I'm like with my friends or with like someone who I'm romantically interested in, I'm absolutely not in my masculine at all. And I will actually actively un, like take off my, like pull down my walls. And, and that sounds like woo woo, I think, but it's a process for me. Like I've grown up with walls up. So like they've all been there. So it's actually, it, it's kind of like Brene Brown talks about taking off your armor. Like I've actually had to do that. Um, and, and what that looks like to me is a lot of like, yeah, coming into my body doing like, yeah, dancing and, um, and self pleasure and, you know, just like not just being and like accepting exactly where I am. Well said. I think um, I just had a thought before when we were talking about Vipassana being masculine and I don't know how, is it Veda? Um, Vedic, yeah. Vedic. I don't know how Vedic meditation um, would correspond, but I think Vipassana, the practice itself is very masculine, but the byproduct, once you get out of the hall, I'm talking about at Vipassana, mm. you're like completely present. 
and you're completely feminine. Interesting. And this is the thing. So this is actually the thing that I'm, why I'm on my P plates is because it's like the, what I'm focusing on to get, and this is for people who want to integrate into their feminine is how like stillness, mm-hmm. experiencing stillness, whether you're masculine, feminine, whatever is going to benefit you. Like you're listening to this. I'm sure you agree. How you get there, I think is the difference between what, like where your attention should lie. So for me, after dancing and whatever, doing these things and then meditating after is like, okay, she's actually in stillness and she's fully in her feminine. Mm. And whereas like the, you know, we talk about this whole like journey on like, em- like embracing the journey, the process, trust the process. The process is the only thing we have control over as people in our human experience, the outcome would be feeling still and experiencing that. So when you were trying to integrate into your feminine, how are you doing that? Mm. That's what you've got control over. So do it in a more feminine way. So if you're trying to like get into your masculine as a man, doing Vipassana, going through that process, hugely beneficial mm. because not it's only... Discipline. Exactly. It's discipline. It's showing up. It's all the things. It's fucking hard. It's like the slog, you know? Mm. And then, yeah, the destination is stillness mm. and similar to dancing. That's it, yeah. It is because you're 4am up and you're pretty much meditating till 9pm and you can't use your phone, you can't talk to anyone, you're following a, following a massive system. Yeah, the timetable. timetable, you eat at this time, you can't eat after 12. Exactly. Like, yada, yada, yada. And you're sitting in the bloody, what are the ones called, where you can't move, the strong determination. Yeah, it's yeah. It's like you can't move for... You can't even move your body. Well, you can, but they recommend you don't. Yeah. And you feel like that discipline, when you can surpass the discipline, you're like 40 minutes in, your legs are dead. Yeah. And you're like, I'm not fucking moving. A hundred percent. you bring that into business and it's like, you can just go like all day if you want. And that's why Vipassana was so good for me, right? Like there is so much that like I've learned from that experience that I can bring into business now because like... When things get hard in business, it's only me. Like, I don't have a business partner. Mm. So, I actually need that discipline. Mm. It's serving me. But also, I don't need it every hour of the day. And, like, being able to come out of it is is very important for me at this point in my life. I've always looked at um, David Goggins mm-hmm. as you a have. very Vipassana <laughs> sort of yeah. practice. You know, he's, you know, say runs 200 kilometers in whatever time but it's like the mind the mind is actually in a vipassana state where it's like okay my shins are fucking bleed um whatever shin splints i've got Mm. shin splints and my feet are bleeding Mm. and i'm dehydrated but i'm just going to observe that and keep going anyway Mm. i'm not reacting to the pain Mm -hmm. and that is literally vipassana obviously it's not that extreme but you are i wonder whether goggins mind has gone through the same process yeah totally which is i guess the same for anyone in like military and everything like that. Totally. You're pushed to the limit of just your mind cannot react to sensation. Yeah. And here's the thing. In in meditation, super powerful experience. When you're running a marathon, super powerful experience. When you were trying to like have a relationship with someone. Mm. And you, uh, yeah. And you're just like, nah, bang. I'm Mm. like, well, doesn't really serve you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's so good on some ways though, and like when you're trying to get over a relationship, totally. <laughs> but also, but I also, would, are you not feeling it? Yeah, like that's the thing. I think for me, like a lot of my um, coping mechanisms in life has been more of that, you know. But if you're truly doing vipassana, then you would be just 
feeling, noticing feeling it, noticing it, observing it, not reacting to it, and not adding thoughts, not adding thoughts to it, which yeah. is definitely I've found it like phenomenal for getting over things. That's why I don't look back because it's just like I'll feel it in the moment, feel it, feel it, feel it. Okay, it's gone. See ya. Totally. Yeah, I would I would say that you have gotten to a point like where you, you do that well, but I think that the teaching of it there's there's flaws in the teaching of it because people who haven't say actually gone to Vipassana mm. and are listening to Goggins being like go 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 and it's like they're just bypassing a crucial step in in healing. I think there's so many ways to get there. Like I was listening to someone the other day talk about how they've. This guy's been doing Vipassana for 10 years, twice a day, following, you know, everything he meant to, going one sit every year for 10 days. Mm -hmm. And then he only healed through talk therapy. So I think it's like... Interesting. I've got things to say about talk therapy. I don't believe in it. Yeah. But I'm glad, like, it obviously works for people. Well, it wasn't talk, it was talk therapy to bring up the issue, the trauma, to then go in and observe it, which is more or less Vipassana anyway. Totally. they used the... They use the questions to actually bring the sense that the feeling and the emotion up inside the person to then go inside, feel the sensation and cry and just be with it and do not add labels to it. Don't say this is good or bad, just this is what it is. Totally. Which is more or less Vipassana. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So why don't you like talk therapy? Okay. So I'll rephrase and say that I do... I think talk therapy has its place. I think everything has its place. Has its place. I don't agree with it for me. So it, I've tried it and it didn't work. <laughs> um, I think that the important thing, there's a whole level, there's a whole process that I believe is necessary to healing. And I think that talk therapy can actually like be placed in, um, in these sections. So I believe when you have an issue or a trauma or a problem or, whatever it might be, it, there's a level that you need to be aware of it. Then comes the part where you need to accept it. And then comes the part where you can actually transcend it. And I think that talk therapy can be helpful at that awareness phase and, and often the acceptance phase too. Mm. And But the the work and the action that actually helps your future you is the transcendence part. It's the dissolvation of that story. Dissolvation. Well, it's the dissolution dissolution of that story or that pattern that actually helps you. Mm. So, and I don't, I've never seen. I would agree entirely. And I wanted to, because when we had that conversation a few weeks ago, (laughs) which you are more than welcome to share it or not, but the actual conversation may have brought that awareness up. I know it has for other, when I've spoken to other people, and it's like, wow, that's, I'm actually being like the person that I um, am holding resentment towards. This is another example. But then, yeah, you're right. From there, you then need to accept that that's actually where you're at. Yeah. And then feel what's actually coming up and why is it triggering you so much. Yeah. And then you can transcend that feeling because then next time that experience comes up, you're okay with that feeling. Yeah. Because it's just a feeling. Yeah, totally. So, I don't know whether you want to talk about that experience. Which which experience are you referring to? Because we've had a few um, conversations. Are you talking? I sent you a message. I had an awareness after our chat. Okay, yeah. And then I sent you a message and you said you burst out crying. Yeah. I don't even know how to describe this, to be honest. But so from, if we want to talk about, like when, when you said we were having this podcast, you're like, we're talking about trauma. And I'm like, God, like what trauma? Are we going to be talking about? Like, you know, I don't know. Like, I just feel like, in my life, I've had a few events that have been traumatic and there's been these, there's levels of healing of these things, right? So 
this time we were talking about, yeah, a learnt behaviour that I had, like, well, I was saying, I'm like, I am struggling to receive, I'm struggling to feel supported and it's not by the fact that I'm not supported as such as I know at this point in my life that, like, there's a block, I'm not receiving. And so I was talking to you about it and we did, like, a healing and whatever and then you sent me a message saying, I've just had an awareness that you actually observed that from your mum. And I was like, wow. And the emotional release of that, just like naming it, it was an awareness, an immediate, an immediate acceptance because I was like, yes, that's what it is. So this is the point that, and I just got goosebumps. This is the point that I want to talk about because I know a lot of people, you're obviously, you were at a point to not just have the awareness, but to accept it because most people would feel what came up and resist the tears or whatever happened. Mm-hmm. And they would shut shut that down. So how how would you recommend someone learns to get through that? There is there's so much um, groundwork that needs to be done in order to be at a point where you can hear something like that and accept it immediately. Like for me, it was about well, I've been actively, you know, actively trying or not trying, but like kind of surrendering to if I want these answers, I need to, I need to open my heart. Like I need to open my heart to them to come through and like in whatever way, shape and form they're going to come through. We weren't talking for a very long time. And then you offered me a healing. I was like, I was just trust, 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 trust. Like I'm going into this. It doesn't feel wrong. So obviously, you know, it's right. And then but like it's not as though it's it's in my past been supernatural to me to be like trusting of um, people and like letting them in and being vulnerable. So I was like, okay, if I if I was healed, I and I felt good, I would lean in and trust. I would be vulnerable. I would let this person in. Did you say sorry? Did you say it's it was uncommon for you to be vulnerable? Yes. So you decided I'm going to do the other opposite. Yes, but that's been an active thing. That's why I talk about groundwork. It's been an active thing for months before this happened where I'm like, okay. Because the thing about vulnerability is like, you know, I'll be seeing people, guys and stuff, and they'll feel a block. I'm guarded. And they'll say, I really want you to be vulnerable. But it's like, well, you've not created a safe container for me to feel vulnerable. Because vulnerability is can't be forced. It's not true vulnerability. So like... I've been aware of the role that everyone plays in in that, but also had to be super accountability for like, where am I? Where is, okay, where is it serving me to be someone who can't be vulnerable? And I think that question to ask, if there's something you're trying to work through, and I'm I'm kind of bypassing the question, but I'll come back to, to what we were talking about. But if there is something that you don't like about the way you're living, say you feel like you're too closed off, you're not vulnerable, say you can't, you don't like have enough time to go to the gym. It's frustrating. You can't reach your goals. Like whatever your thing that's frustrating you is, the only reason it exists in your life is because your ego is gaining, you are gaining, you are gaining from it. So like what also gets to be true while, like while I don't feel safe to be vulnerable with these men or friendships or whatever it is, let's keep it in the men department for for the moment. Like I also get a narrative that gets to play out is the fact that, well, I don't have to now, you know, I, I don't have to open up. Like I also don't have to like feel things that may, maybe I don't want to feel like that also gets to be true. And it's like, I've, what do I gain from that? Well, I get to be perceived as a super put together woman who doesn't get phased by 
um, things like that would be labeled as like a psycho girl reaction. Like I don't, I don't buy into that because I'm never putting myself in a position where I'm actually being vulnerable. So therefore my emotions don't get to play out and I win. I get to be the cool girl. Okay. Well, there's what's, that's what's happening here. While it's true that the men aren't creating that safe container for me to be vulnerable, there's also this part of like accountability I need to take of like everything I'm gaining from that being true. Mm. So it's going to keep happening. You're going to keep getting in a position where you are in relationships with men who don't make you feel safe to be vulnerable for as long as you're gaining from that situation happening, which is what's happening. So to bring it back to the question, the groundwork that was put in prior to us like communicating and um, again, and having this healing was like, okay, I dissolved the story where I can't feel safe in the presence of men, partners, relationships, and it's it's now fanned out to more, but the work really was there. And so now that that is no longer in my vibration, in my fucking sphere of reality, I can go into a into a situation with a man and feel safe to be vulnerable, which gave you the opportunity to get some sort of access to what I'm dealing with. So the reason why I was able to accept what you said is because I knew that I was being true and open. And this is all unconscious. Like I'm not like, I'm not sitting there being like, I'm going to open myself up. So Rod can give me this like, you know, Mm. blah, blah, blah. But the reason I was able to immediately read that message from you, have that awareness and accept it is because I know I was being honest when I was in the room with you. There was no part of me that could put it off to being like, yeah, right. tell yourself that big hero. Like you reckon, you know, because I actually let you in. Which is interesting because I had resistance, obviously, from past knowing Sophie to like, yeah. do I send this? Because it's kind of, we hadn't been speaking for ages and I'm like a bit hesitant to say anything because I'm like, I don't want to say anything that's going to, you know, whatever, tarnish whatever's totally. just happened again. But then, so I then I ask myself and I feel into what feels right. Do you do that? Not so much. I feel like I... I don't do the active decision. I just feel like, and this is probably more so being more integrated in my feminine, is that I just am and I just trust and I just be and I just do as according to that. Whereas previously I would have been like, what would this, how would this be received? How would this blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, for me, like, so I completely understand why you would have had that thought given our like relationship and everything and how I might've reacted in the past is like, you don't even know and it's like, I've been there, um, the one who asked, but now I'm like, well, you know, meanwhile, like you're doing that. And then I'm like, well, old Sophie also wouldn't have admitted that I just burst into tears crying after reading that message. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm just like, just doing and just being, and I'm not thinking about how the people are going to perceive it. Mm. It is very much how I live my life is the, the flow of whatever download comes first or whatever is brought into my vortex or awareness whatever you want to call it Mm. first and I trust that totally because I I mean I'm sure I say this on every podcast but the moment you start questioning that there is an infinite um, infinite list of possibilities that you could now choose and you're just going to create chaos from all of them so if you just become if you just become confident that you're going to be that your decision is going to be correct in that first one yeah. Then I feel like the next one comes. And then it says synchronicities. It's kind of like that whole experience was a weird synchronicity. It's like, why did that even happen? It was so strange. Like, Yeah, I think you should give people context because so, they'll be like... What? Yeah, well, we hadn't spoken 
for like six months and I don't even know did I message you I feel like I saw your story about the podcast mentorship and I was just like so random I'm gonna sign up and you just didn't believe me and then the next day I came over and I was like I just did this quantum energy healing thing with um course with John and I'd like to practice if you're open to it and you said yes and yeah it's so interesting because like we could have so had you could have so had resistance I could have gone why the hell would I talk to Sophie yeah we Uh, haven't been talking because we had a falling out and this is I think we are two people who are actually practicing what we preach in the sense of dissolving stories acknowledging our own accountability in in the part and then like actually moving forward I think the crucial part to like to be able to get get from where we were to where we now are or where we like you know where we're headed is like the for me it was like taking responsibility for my part in in the journey and I don't know whether you've actively taken responsibility but energetically you have um and like I've received that energetically I'm like okay well you did say sorry to me which you've never ever done in the history of Herodotus so you've never said my my I actually have a I have an interesting thing around sorries in um we were, I don't know if I want to get into that, but the the part about I'm really good at dissolving the story and just like it just doesn't exist anymore because it really doesn't. Yeah, so it's like the version that we were then. It's like, well, that's not now, so why would I even think about it? I was yeah, a moment wasting my time thinking about what it was. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people snapshot that's Sophie and that's still Sophie a year later. Yeah, and she hasn't changed, and I mean that's probably because a lot of people don't change. Yeah, so they can't see how you possibly would have changed so much. Totally, but I guess we're just every day. It's a new. It's a new person potentially. Well, yeah. Yeah. Moment to moment. Yeah. The idea around sorry, I don't know if I, we might edit this bit out. We'll see how I go. Yeah. The, <laughs> the notion of apologizing if you didn't have the wrong intent. It's like, well, what are you apologizing for? Because you made – are you apologizing for how you made them feel when you didn't intend to make them feel that bad? Mm. So then are you really sorry about something you didn't do? Interesting. And this is – this is the this is the rod I I knew back in the day, and that's why when you did apologize to me, I was like, "This is huge," because I know that you don't do it. Mm. So basically, you just apologized for the fact that you um, posting about starting a podcast studio uh, and how that impacted me. Right. You're like, I don't know how to respond to that, like because I told you how it made me feel and whatever after months of not talking, and you're like, I don't know what I meant to say to that, but I am sorry. That, right. that happened. And I think for me that exactly what you said, a whole like, should you say sorry when you believe there was no intent? It's just like, well, for me, the reason why I stopped talking to you wasn't because you did that. It was because you, I felt you gaslit me immediately. Like, why are you being crazy, Sophie, about being offended by that? It's like, well, obviously there's like a conflict mm. or like, you know. Even though it's not my, I get it. Yeah, I remember. we definitely hashed it out because it wasn't my podcast studio, but it is, and whatever. Yeah, and you're still here at I'm mine, still here, so because yeah, lights, you know, camera, action, all good. Um, but yeah, I think it's 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 interesting, and it's like you know, if I and I've had falling outs with people who have decided, you know, there's no um, coming back from that, and I'm like, cool, you've decided, then there is no coming back from yeah. that. You know what I mean? That's so true, and like that's cool then they they miss out on like having me in their life or vice versa I miss out on having them in my life but the reality is is like I don't want someone to be like handbraking like fucking handbraking when we're trying to go down the highway which I believe is what that is holding on to the past Mm. 
within reason. Like you got to honor yourself in the moment and like cut people off if that serves you like we did. <laughs> but then, yeah, like let go. Yeah. And Set if, yourself free. If your paths do kind of split and go around an island and then meet again, it's like you don't need to bring the baggage back with no, you. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. <sighs> um, awesome. Well, um, I think we've covered quite a lot. We have. So probably wrap it up. We're wrapping it up, boys. <laughs> I think. Wrap um, it up. You know, the I, you know, just rehashing, I think the, actually I want to finish with asking where you see on track going, but the rehashing of, I think the meditation and the self-awareness and the business journey is all intertwined because like I agree with you, the journey of entrepreneurship is very self-reflective and growth. This is always, you, you're either growing or you're dying. And I feel like all part, everything we spoke about is very integrated. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So where do you see on track? Just because just context again, before we started this podcast, a friend, um, a friend of ours came into the studio and Sophie had this awareness that everything that she had told her in January, um, Tanya, she's like, oh, I did this. Oh, and also did this. Oh, wow. I did everything that I said I was going to do. So <laughs> let's just put it live now. So then in five, 10 years, we can look back and go, oh, you did all those things. It's hard for me to say exactly where I see on track going, but what I know to be true is that it will be the destination to record your podcast. Mm-hmm. The brand will be bigger than me. And my role in my life is actually going to be like, you know, the truth is, and this is like huge, but the truth is like I foresee myself as more so like a not a motivational speaker, but a speaker for, yeah, going to people and like inspiring them. Like that's my role. And I feel like, you know, On Track Studio is just building me credibility for my story. Yeah. So I think it's going to build and then I'm going to like influence people based off how it goes. And the, the thing, the exciting thing about the studio is the fact that podcasting is so powerful And it makes sense for people to start a podcast, up-level a podcast. Like this is – like it's so ear to the ground of what people need and they don't even – like most people don't even know that they need this like service, right? So it's just about like it's going to become – it's going to become massive. So what it looks like, I don't even know. But it's going to be, yeah, something to do with like a destination to record and then a brand even bigger than me. Beautiful. After finishing this podcast with Sophie, I honestly believe that this podcast, Stillness Every Day, we, I'm talking about how to integrate and how important stillness is across all parts of your life and why you know money, relationships, your own mental state, they all intertwine because you don't want to just, you don't want to just be still on the yoga mat. You want to be able to be able to be at peace with your entire life and I think that this podcast with Sophie that we just did really shows someone who is embodying that in her life so wow thanks for coming on that was a great podcast yeah thanks for having me peace out everyone <laughs>